Hey, Team Health Tech. At the Talking Health Tech Winter Summit recently, we had a session that was focused on emerging trends in healthcare payments. So THT Plus members and Summit ticket holders can get their hands on the video from that session, as well as listen to it in their own Winter Summit podcast mini-series as well. So in this session on payments, the timing, it couldn't have been much better. Funnily enough, it was actually pegged as a session for the Autumn Summit, but we deferred it to the winter one. And as we were planning the session, the landscape was already heating up. Then there were a few acquisitions that occurred within the healthcare payment space in short succession, just before the summit, which made that session particularly hot right now. So following the winter summit, I felt we needed to go into even more detail to tease out some of those themes that came from that session and put it in context. And so I organized a follow-up conversation with the moderator from that session, Marcus Wilson from Surgical Partners. And so in this episode, we're going to reflect on the healthcare payments landscape in Australia, some of the emerging trends and the big opportunities, and lots more too. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Marcus Wilson. He's a THT Plus member and featured in the podcast way back in episode 18. He's also appeared at the Autumn Summit in a session earlier this year as well. For those that don't know Marcus, he's the CEO of Surgical Partners, a solution that's helping practices around Australia integrate their accounting information with their practice management system. Hey, Marcus, how are you going? Yeah, great, Pete. Great to be back on the show. Yeah, it's great to bring you on. And I thought it was particularly good timing to have a chat following the Winter Summit. And we had the session on emerging trends in healthcare payments at the Winter Summit. But there's 30 minutes of time there in that panel with a lot of people with some great perspectives. So it's often not time to really dig into the detail, but that's what the podcast is perfect for. So be keen to jump into some of that. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. So firstly, I was thinking back at some of that session that you moderated at the Winter Summit. And one thing I took from that particularly was that I found that there's a lot of innovators in healthcare payments that are taking it from different angles. There are some similar themes coming from guys like Medipass and Lantern Pay and CBA, or people with different approaches to things like OpenPay that are more about the buy now, pay later type approach to things. So it's an interesting dynamic to see between the consumer focus and the provider focus and that whole two-sided market and chicken and egg thing. Are there any components of those different approaches that you find particularly interesting when it comes to healthcare payments? Yeah, I think most of the investment in outpatient healthcare, so by outpatient healthcare, I mean GPs, non-GP specialists, dental, other allied health, so ex-hospital healthcare, a lot of the innovation that's been pouring into that space has been at the front end of the value chain, right? So you've got telehealth, you've got online bookings, you've got payments, you've got private health records, you've got people trying to build on the My Health Record, for example. So it's this innovation that's occurring between the consumer or the funder and the point of service. But the way we've always looked at it is from the other side. We're coming from the back. We're coming from the ledger where the money stops to the point of service. So we're managing technology and solutions at the back. So we've always looked at innovations in this space from a supplier perspective. And 
My fundamental view on health, and this won't change for a while, Pete, and I'm always happy to discuss this offline as well, but my view is that healthcare is going to be changed from the back, not the front. Healthcare is a supplier-led problem. It is not a consumer problem. And so what I find really interesting about those approaches that you were talking about was where there's this focus on what's easiest for the provider, what's going to be easiest for their workflow, what's going to be easiest to integrate into their existing back-end systems. And I think there's definitely this emergent view that is critical to solve that issue. And then laid on top of that, you've also got a number of the sort of consumer-facing solutions that are coming to market going, right, healthcare is a big part of the economy. It's always growing as a share of wallet. Private payments seem to be steadily increasing as a share of that wallet of the value chain in our patient health. So how can myself as a consumer-facing payment solution, how can I come in and tap into this healthcare opportunity. So there are those different approaches. Great to see, and I thought we really teased out some of those points in the Winter Summit. And yeah, I think it's really interesting to also consider the motivations behind some of these players in the market. There's been a bit of a dearth of bank activity in the market since NAB invested in high caps decades ago. Really, that was a late 90s, early 2000s surge in investment. Since then, there's been a few people tinkering because when you think about payments, you often think about banks, right? And besides NAB and high caps, there's been a few tinkering. BOQ had a little bit of a solution. CBA had a go at it back in sort of the mid-2000s, had another go at it in the early 2010s with the Albert solutions back in 2011, 2012. ANZ have given this a red-hot go with ANZ HealthPay. I don't know how much money they threw in before they called it quits. They did some major integrations with PMSs, both in dental and primary care, and they just pulled it. It's gone. Westpac was an investor in our business. I have since pulled back from healthcare technology investments. I won't say too much more about that, but other than to say that there's been a lot of the major banks having a look and saying they're going to be part of it, but then pulling out or pulling back. And I guess the major standout there and having a third go at it, third by the charity is CBA. And obviously the acquisition of White Coat, not sure what they paid for it, but it was a significant amount of money. And they're clearly going after the business banking segment. They're very public about it. Healthcare is a key plank in that attack on the other business banking majors. They want to be the number one business bank by 2024. They've gone record saying that. And so they're really throwing a lot at health and now they've got a really, really viable solution. And I think they're coming at it from a perspective of, well, if we capture the payments, we're going to capture the deposits. Obviously, CBA are all about capturing share of deposits, always have been. And can we capture the lending market? I would say that's probably over-egged as a concept, as a strategy. If I lead with payments, will I get the business banking? Probably the most successful lenders of recent times in healthcare have been Medfin. Medfin was acquired by NAB. Guys behind Medfin then started up a a thing called Investec Experian, backed by Investec. Investec then sold that to BOQ to become BOQ specialists, same guys. And those same guys who went from Medfin to Investec to BOQ, after they served their time, they left and went and formed Credible. And Credible, the same guys all the way through, they're on their fourth go at it, have been immensely successful the whole way through at lending because they're just damn good lenders. They don't have a payment solution. So I think that's a little over in my view. I mean, I'm interested to see if, if CBA can prove it differently. 
And then on the other hand, you've got, I guess, some of the raw technology payment solutions like Lantern Pay and Medipass, who are really coming at this from, all right, there's a number of underserved or poorly served parts of the payment spectrum that could really benefit from modern API-driven payments technologies and app-driven stuff. And really interesting, you know, Medipass came out of NAV. It was looking like Medipass would be the son of high caps and would innovate over the top of the struggling high caps architecture, but then NAB let it go and sold to Tyro. And that was really interesting deal. And I think what's really interesting about that is Medipass were really struggling to get into the provider workflow that I was talking about before. They were struggling to get into that in the primary care space and some of the major dental PMSs and the specialist space. So by integrating to Tyro or by being acquired by Tyro, then they can plug into that significant Tyro network. They, Tyro would have, you know, I don't know the numbers, my guess would be sort of two and a half thousand practices in GPs and non-GP specialists and some traction in dental as well. So I think that was a significant play into broadening their provider connections. Yeah. And then the other one you mentioned, of course, was oh, OpenPay and the Afterpay and, all, and uh, Zip and the like. I mean, they've all had healthcare teams or healthcare leaders. And, and obviously, Nick was on the thing. And look, I think, to be honest, other than specialist sectors like plastics, like vets, maybe, like parts of dental, you know, the real cosmetic discretionary parts of medicine, I think their opportunity is, is reasonably limited. And again, Coming from that consumer-driven thing, again, I go back to my argument before, I think real change and real innovation in health is not going to come from the consumer end, the patient end. I think it's going to come from provider-led efficiency. And yeah, so really interesting to see those perspectives and also those motivations. And it's all coming to a head now. It's an exciting time in fintech. Yeah. And I really like looking at both of those approaches in isolation, one from the consumer side and then one from the provider side. And like you say, that came up a fair bit in the conversation at the Winter Summit with all of those different players around the importance of integrating with practice management systems and other platforms like bank reconciliations and, and accounting solutions and everything from a payment side of things. So that all speaks to that point that you mentioned before, where that's your bread and butter in the background from driving it from the back, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it was really interesting that before CBA acquired White Coat, before they were even in market, they had sewn up something like 10 major PMS integrations. And that was largely funded by the CBA, was my understanding. And CBA obviously held a bit of weight besides the checkbook. They could go to the major PMS players and say, look, we're going after this market with the CBA, we're the biggest bank in the country, the biggest company in the country, and we are going after this health space. And they got a good response. The PMS is uh, pioneered up. They're not easy to deal with. They're not easy to commercially come up with these solutions. And so CBA really knew that being in the workflow, integrating into the core provider systems was really essential. And where it was interesting, you know, look at Medipass again, a little bit different. They did most of their early integrations down the smaller allied space. Really clever. And they kind of learnt this approach from high caps where it was like, we're not going to pay you PMS to integrate. We're going to provide some really easy SDKs, not really SDKs, but web services protocols. It's all on our website. It's all there. It's all available. You can just really easily build to us. We'll give you all these sandboxes and whatever. And it was so clever with the way they did that with some of these smaller cloud practice management systems in Allied because then the Allied guys promoted MediPass as a feature and used that to try and grow their market share from a small base. So, of course, that you build to me approach 
that Medipass took when they went to the big boys, the big PMSs in dental and primary and the big specialist players saying, you build to us. Imagine how that went down. It just didn't go down, right? So, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, do you ever see that kind of shifting one day from the bigger guys, as they say, or in the primary care PMS or even in the dental space? Or is we very much in our own kind of approaches when it comes to partnering more broadly with practice management systems? Oh, you can never say never, but what's in it for them? If they've got a good deal with an existing payments provider and they're on the take, they're getting a clip. Why would they actively promote something that doesn't pay them to sub out the money they are getting? It's like the government weaning itself off gambling. Like it's, it's not going to happen, right? So maybe the value proposition would shift so much, but I doubt it. Honestly doubt it. And I think it's in the interest of the vendors to offer a number of options because they don't want to get in the position where they've got a large part of their base using one system and to be held to ransom by that payments provider when they say, well, you know what, we've come to the end of our three-year agreement. And we're going to pull down our percentage that we pay you and you're going to accept that or we're going to tell all our clients to go to a different PMS. You don't want those kind of situations. So like anything, you don't want to be too wedded to one provider. Anyway, yeah, so Medipass had that really different approach. And I think by tying up with Tyro, who were very commercial, were very sensible, very rational operators, got a large part of the market, very savvy, one of the original fintechs in Australia, really. You had a concrete value proposition, differentiated it, went to market, did very well. And so now they've got many pass off the back, which is broadening their claims potential upstream. And that kind of helps to solve that original MediPass approach where they were struggling to get into that sort of big end of town. And so thinking about the timing of everything, so timing is obviously important in any kind of innovation and adoption of stuff and how that all works. And like you've suggested before, you've taken us through some of that history and the journey and you've touched on a little bit of already, but just to double down on it, why is now so hot for healthcare payments, so to speak? There's been lots of attempts to move the needle when it comes to innovation in this space, but it seems like it's all coming to a head now. Yeah, good point. I mean, I think it's part generational, like I was talking about before. There was a lot of innovation. The turn of the century, you know, early 2000s, it's when high caps really dominated. High caps got to a position where they were so significant, supported by all the major PMSs, the major funds. They became almost like the default monopoly pathway and became very hard to supplant. Industry built on top of it, built on top of it. And we're now coming to the point where my understanding is a lot of that high caps architecture is They're having trouble moving off some of the redundant parts and it's starting to get into that new generation of technology that's API driven, that is more readily plugged into more and more upstream services, particularly as they get more API driven in their own internal system. So, yeah, I think there's the generational aspect to it. I also think there's the advent of telehealth, I think has made practices, particularly those that privately build, just have to think about, wow, like how can we process an online payment capability as well as an in-clinic capability. And that's really giving them pause to look out in the market and see what's available, see what's coming. And so at the same time, there was a lot of investment pouring into Lantern Pay, a lot into the kiosks like Automed Systems who had sort of payments capabilities. And so there was a lot of innovation kind of bubbling from the surface. And also a lot of upstream payers like WorkCover and whatnot who realized that they didn't offer a very good claims experience. 
And it's not so much that these guys are into customer service, I don't think. I just, I just think they didn't enjoy paying 30 bucks a claim to process a claim. When they knew when they had good provider workflow, they had a good claims tool straight through their systems, they could process it for three bucks a claim or four bucks a claim. So they're not after customer service so much as just self-interest. And so I think there's been all of this upstream payments innovation as well. And now you've got, I guess, the payments platforms, the marketplaces like the Lantern Pays and the MediPasses and CBA and White Coat starting to become that middle layer that acts as the merchant, processes the payments and connects to all these upstream, more modern claims um, processing engines as well. So yeah, there's just that tipping point in technology use up and down that sort of payments value chain. And I think telehealth has just lit a spark under that opportunity. No, I agree. That would definitely be driving a lot of those clinicians, the providers in thinking about how they can do that in a seamless way. Another consistent theme that came up at the summit in that particular session was the fact that partnering is key. So healthcare being a team sport. Personally, when I was organizing the session in having people like MediPass and Lantern Pay and CBA and OpenPay all together in the one virtual room, my initial gut feel is, oh, I might be putting competitors together and there'll be tension and not a great deal of willingness to open up and discuss and what I quickly learned and also kind of realized too thinking about it. They all know each other anyway, and they've all been having a lot of discussions and often feature in these sessions anyway, because that's how fintech works. So how much can healthcare learn from that whole approach towards partnering to get stuff done that, that fintech does? Oh, enormously, enormously. I mean, I think that is the single greatest opportunity in healthcare in Australia. Everyone's been trying to protect their patch. Everyone's been trying to milk their position to, you know, for maximum additional partner revenue. And I think those days are over, to be honest. On the practice management side, the vendor side, as we talked about, I think that probably has some way to go. But I think for everyone else who's trying to get meaningful market share to really change this industry and not change it at a decade to decade pace, but to really change this industry in the space of five years, they have to partner, they have to work with other best of breed technologies. And I'll give two examples about this. One, I think in the payment space, to use a payment specific example, most practices out there, they're often small businesses, they don't have a lot of let's say, internal capability. If they use Medicare online to process their online, Medicare online and DBA payments, maybe they use an integrated terminal like Tyro. Generally speaking, there's not really the capacity to really add more technology into that process. There's this concept out there of app fatigue. And I think app fatigue represents itself in payments that there's only so many channels that these practices will be able to handle. So I think where we're going to see it gravitate to is a broad spectrum the winners in this space are going to be the broad spectrum claiming solutions. So if they can connect to more and more upstream and then they can process it through a single settlement, say, with all of those upstream settlements being pulled on their end and single settled with a really cool integration to the source billing system, makes it really easy to reconcile, makes it really easy to audit through a single portal. The users don't have to juggle six portals or six terminals that is going to be the future and i'm not sure that a couple of these names that we're talking about are going to be able to achieve that on their own and i think they realize that so i think if they're going to be the winners they're going to be the ones with meaningful market share and they're going to get there more quickly they're going to need to partner with each other to do some of these connections and the good thing is that they are natively 
architected to do that. We're talking about modern APIs where they can talk to each other relatively seamlessly. They don't have to have convoluted technical arrangements between them that require releases after releases after release to perfect. And so I think one of the points that was raised, I thought in that winter summer was really interesting, is that, as you mentioned, the fintechs or financial services guys in payments have been doing this for years, partnering with Amex to deliver through single merchant settlements and things like that. And I think you're going to see more of that in the payment space in health. And I think the same thing goes for other business technologies in medical practice. I think there's that same app fatigue, right? Like um, the practice owners and managers really going to log on to a payments portal, policies and procedures portal, a business intelligence portal, a, a doctor payments portal, their ledger, their payroll. You can see this is going to unify, right? At the very least, I think you're going to see more partnerships where there's single sign-on type models where deep links between it and even, yeah, integrations where there's use cases. But yeah, I just don't think there's the capacity to enact meaningful change in medical practice unless you really simplify it and unify it. So yeah, healthcare being a team sport, there's two examples. I'm sure you've heard no end of others interoperability arguments in hospitals and elsewhere from all the tech you talk to, but certainly in our business technology spaces and payment spaces, that's going to define the winners. I have no doubt about it. Yeah, it's a consistent theme that brings everyone together, isn't it? It's important everywhere. Yeah. So hopefully we can move things in the right direction. Hey, lastly, Marcus, just to close this out, for those interested to learn more about what Surgical Partners is up to in the next 6, 12, 24 months, what are you focused on? Yeah, well, I think we're over that sort of early adopter phase. We're still in this move to mass adoption. So we've got to start really playing more nicely with more people. And so some of those themes I was just talking about, I think you're going to hear more about from us in the next six months. So watch this space. We're um, certainly partnering with a lot of colleagues servicing not so much our segment, but in various adjacent segments. And I think you're going to see those adjacencies delivered very cleverly in an easy way to our customers. I'll come back to that theme that I was talking about at the start, where we really see ourselves as innovators from the back. At the front end, Apple and Google, they can have it. And Telstra, they can have it. Us is all about the back end. And I think one of the key sort of value propositions that we've always offered to the market is how to reduce the friction between the practitioners, the doctors, and the practices. So we're doing that at the moment via automating what is the practice share and what's the doctor share. And we've got a great app for that that the doctors can see and they can get all their previous invoices on the app. But I think there's a lot more potential with that app. And we're doing a lot of work in the background around doctor credentialing, doctor identification, and things like engaging with practices before the doctors come on, like in-app contract signing. Fundamentally, what we represent or what we enact is the contract between the practitioner and the practice. So if we are to reduce friction and we are to make it easier for that doctor to interact with the practice, the logical first step of that engagement is the contract. And then we print the terms of it, which determines what the practice pays the doctor. And so I think what the next six, 12 months holds for us is a lot of partnering and a lot of foundational thinking around how we can just make doctors easier to onboard, easy to recontract with if something changes and just, yeah, just make that interaction between the practice and the doctor just so much more seamless. And I think, again, that's a key plank of innovating from the back of healthcare forward. And honestly, I would say this because it's my business, but 
that's the way healthcare is run and I can't see that changing for the next 10 years. I mean, healthcare is a supplier-led, a supplier-constrained business. That's how we're playing it. Yeah. No, excellent, Marcus. Look, I think they're such important things to focus on in getting that right and in speeding up that workflow for the onboarding for the clinicians and continuing to partner out throughout the ecosystem. So we've got the details for Surgical Partners on the Talking Health Tech website and the show notes of this episode so people can check out and get in touch if they do have any questions. But Marcus, I really appreciate you making the time for this one and also at the Winter Summit that we had. I'm sure we'll have you at an upcoming session again in the future soon. Yeah, the next six to 12 months is going to be a lot more to talk about. If you do want to check out the session on emerging trends in healthcare payments that happened at the Winter Summit not long before this podcast episode was recorded, so you can get the full picture, then become a THT Plus member and you can watch the session and all the other summit sessions from within the community forum or on our website and also listen to these sessions on the move in a podcast mini-series as well. So it's a great investment for some quality insights if I do say so myself, we've got membership options for individuals and companies. So everyone is welcome. Check it out. TalkingHealthTech.com slash THT plus for more information. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.